in his class um, every, single, every single period. And then for the test, our tests were just the notes. So for our test, he allowed us to use an index card. And whatever you could fit on the index card, you could use. And I'm not talking about like the little three by fives. Like we had the big index cards. So all you had to do was pay attention in class, copy down all the notes, and then move it to the note card, and you would make a good Like I made an A, I made 100 in that man's class. Not because I did much, it was just I was really good at copying things from a board to a paper to a little bitty index card. Now there was other people in that class who didn't do so well, who failed the class. Now how does someone fail a class like that? Because they're lazy, right? Like that's, there's no other explanation. They're lazy. They don't do the work. They don't do what it takes in order to, to be prepared for the test. They were given the same notes. They were given the same opportunities, but they just didn't put in the work that it took and, and the time to study. And depending on how close you walk with the Lord will depend on how you do during the tests of life. Because life is just full of those. Tests, trials, storms, whatever you want to call them, life is full of them. And depending on how, how close you walk with the Lord, what depends on how well you do during them. Think about the resources that we have. Like I just told you about the resources of having all the notes given to me and then using it for the test. Think about the resources we have. We have the word of God at our fingertips. Talk about it this morning. That we have the word of God, the actual words of God at our fingertips, at our disposal at any time. That we have... A, a relationship, an open dialogue relationship with God the Father. That we are saved by God the Son who makes intercession for us on our behalf. That Jesus is talking to God for us. And that we have the indwelt Holy Spirit. And he blesses us not only with those things, but he also gives us other believers, right? As the body of Christ, as the bride of Christ, to come alongside of us and help us. He blesses us with the gift of prayer. And I don't think we really tap into that gift as much as we should because we can talk to the creator of the universe at any time. That we don't have to have somebody pray for us. We don't have to have somebody go to God for us. We can just do it ourselves. That we have the gift of praise. When I say praise, I'm talking about what we do when we come in here and we lift up songs. Because when we are focusing on praising His glorious name and all that there is to be thankful for, it not only blesses the Lord and brings Him glory, but it helps us too. Because it feeds our soul. It helps us to remember that it's not all about us, but it's all about who? Him. In other words... We have open note tests and access to all the answers through the blood of Christ. And those who fail the test are the ones who are not plugged into all the answers because they're either ignorant to God or they're ignorant to his word and his resources. So when I say they're ignorant to God, it means that in the word ignorant just means that they have no knowledge. They don't know. Right. And so as Jesus prayed in John 17, when he was talking to God on behalf, he said, he said that he, he defined eternal life as knowing God through Jesus. So some people just don't know God through Jesus, and they're ignorant to that. Now, there's some people who, who know who God is, but they're ignorant to his word and his resources because they're not fully surrendered. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. 
right? About a daily surrender that daily I, I have to surrender my life and my will to him. Why? Because we will have tests. We will have storms. We will have rough times in life. All of us. Some storms we bring on ourselves, right? Because even though we are saved and that we don't have to deal with the consequences of, of our, of, uh, with our, our souls, we still have natural consequences to our actions, right? That's just nature. Some storms are because of the actions of others. Some people make poor decisions and it affects other people. And some storms are from the effects of sin on and in our world. That because of sin, we have diseases. We have death. We have these things. It's not your fault you got cancer, but it is the storm you have to go through because of that. So we all have it, saved and unsaved. We all do it. And you know what? It's called life, right? It's called life. And the difference is how we view and endure the tests. That's the difference. How we view and endure the test. Uh, flip over to James chapter 1. We're going to be doing a little bit of flipping today, so get ready for your Bible drill time. James chapter 1. It's right after Hebrews. Which how Moses makes tea. He brews it. Yeah. yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. That's your joke of the night. James chapter 1 verse 2 says this. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Now the word trials it means adversity or troubles or testing. James says count it joy when you go through adversity of all different kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Now, that's what my version says. Yours may say patience. Both words mean this. Hopeful endurance. That's what it means. That the testing of your faith produces hopeful endurance. And let hopeful endurance or steadfastness have its full effect. That you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Now, obviously, this is not saying that you're just going to be perfect, right? It's not saying that you're just, you have no sin, there's nothing wrong in you. Perfect and complete means mature and whole. Or if you put that word together, the term is completely mature. So that we should count it a joy when we go through these different things because it develops us and matures us into who God wants us to be. Uh, David Platt said this in regards to, to this scripture. He said this. Trials are joy when God is our goal. Trials are joy when God is our goal. In other words, if our goal is maturity and growth in our relationship with God, then we can have joy in the trials because we know that the outcome will produce a closer walk with him. However, if, 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 if your goal is this being your best life now, if that's your goal then trials will never be seen as a good thing. In fact, it goes against an entire <laughs> sect of, of a cult known as the prosperity gospel. We won't go into that. But anyways, but, but trials are joy when God is our goal. Now flip over to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5.
says this, says, therefore, now, we all know that when we see the word therefore, we've got to figure out what the therefore is therefore, right? Or else you're not going to understand it. So if you go back to chapter 4, uh, Paul is telling us about Abraham and how, how, his, how his, he was justified by believing. He was justified. Uh, it, was, it said that his faith was counted to him as righteousness. And that it's counted to us who believe in him who raised Jesus from the dead. So therefore, since that, since we have been justified by faith. Now justified is what? Justified, never sin. Thank you, Leah. So, if, so it's justified, never sin. I've been justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now that's a big deal. Because without Jesus, we have no peace. Right? We have no peace. In fact, the Bible says that we are his enemy. We are, we are an enemy of God before, before we come to Jesus. Because just a couple of verses you'll see in Romans 5. It says that uh, after it says that God shows us his love, that we were so serious, Christ died for us. Therefore, we are justified by his blood. Much more we've been saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. So now... We don't have to worry about being an enemy of God because through the blood of Jesus Christ, we have peace with God. We are reconciled to God through Jesus. Verse 2, through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace. Now, grace means favor. Into this favor in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Now, word hope, it means confident faith. And, and, and the glory of God is a term... That is descriptive. You might see, you might remember that from Romans 3.23 where it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Right? You know that verse. You've heard that verse. Well, over in Hebrews 1.3, it refers to Jesus as the glory of God. So if Jesus is the standard, we don't meet that standard. So we have to have his blood in order to be justified and, and, and be made right in the sight of God. So it says that we have confident faith in Jesus. That's what that means. Verse 3, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Paul, are you, are you on something, Paul? Like, seriously. Like, are you smoking something that, uh, like, the, the newest stuff? Because who rejoices in sufferings? But he says this. Because I have been saved, because I have peace with God, because I have, found, I have favor, because my hope, my faith is in Jesus... I can rejoice in my sufferings, knowing that sufferings produces endurance. And endurance, that means hopeful patience. Hopeful patience. And endurance produces character. And character means tried and approved. So my hopeful patience produces tried and approved. And character produces, there's that word again, hope. Confident faith. Confident faith. And hope does not put us to shame because God love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Trials are our joy when God is our goal. Now turn over to Mark chapter 4. And this is going to be the rest of our study tonight, so you don't have to worry about turning the pages anymore. Mark chapter 4. At this point in Mark chapter 4, the disciples encounter, and we're talking about storms of life, right? We're talking about storms of life. Well, the disciples encounter an actual storm 
that scared them to the point of fearing for their lives and questioning Jesus. In uh, Mark 4, at this point, we're going to start reading verse 35. But before we get to that, from this point, Jesus has been teaching all day at this point. Okay, A crowd has gathered to hear him speak. And in order for him to be able to be seen and heard by everybody, which, by the way, back in those times, the teacher would be the one sitting and the people listening would be the one standing. So, Brother Gary, I think next week we should reverse it and you can sit the whole time and we'll stand. And if that's okay with you, we'll just do that. Yeah, he's like, yeah, we're not doing that. Uh, so, so, so in order for Jesus to be able to teach his entire crowd, he has to sit in a boat. So they push the boat out a little bit so he can speak to the entire crowd on this beach. So first of all, if you've ever been on a boat, you know, man, being out on the boat, you get tired, right? I mean, the sun's coming down on you, and it's just, it's easy to get tired after a while being on a boat all day, right? Not only was he just on the boat, but he was teaching all day. He was teaching. He was talking about the parable of the sower. In fact, majority of the stuff we've been learning about in Sunday school class is what he was talking about in Mark chapter 4. It's equivalent to Matthew 13. But he's talking about the parable of the sower, the mustard seed. Uh, he's saying this little light of mine. I mean, it, so not really, but he does talk about the candle in the basket. But anyways, you didn't get that joke. Um, so it's safe to say at this point, Jesus is tired, right? Jesus is probably a little tired, and that's okay. All right? So now, verse 35, it says this. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. Now, before we continue reading, it's really important to, to note this. It was Jesus' idea to get in the boat and go to the other side. It was Jesus' idea. It was his command. So remember that as we continue. Verse 36 and 37. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. Now, just so you understand what the terminology means, when it says that um, they took him just as he was, that just means he was already in the boat. That's all that means. So it's just some, some – so you get a picture of the idea that he was just already in the boat, so they just, they just took off with him already in the boat. What you have to understand is that the Sea of Galilee is a basin, and it's surrounded by mountains, and it was prone to sudden violent storms. Kind of like what we had today. But uh, there's just sudden violent storms. They had this cool air from the Mediterranean come down through the narrow mountains, and it met the hot and humid air that was over the lake. And it, what happens when hot and cold meet? Storm, right? Okay. So what was the majority of the disciples' occupation when Jesus called them to be his follower? Fishermen, right? Fishermen. Most of them were fishermen. And an experienced fisherman would know this. Because he goes out on the sea all the time. He would know about these storms coming and he would know how to get through it. Which tells me this. This storm must have been one of the worst that these guys have ever seen. Because they are panicking. And we're going to see in just a moment just how bad it gets. But the water keeps coming into the boat. And they were scared that they were going to sink. And they did everything in their own power before going to find Jesus. You ever do that? Guilty, okay? Do you ever do that? Going, that, that we just, we're going through the storms in life and we try to figure it all out before we go to the creator of the universe. 
It's really silly, right? Because Colossians 1 says that everything in creation was made by him and through him. So he has the power over it all. And yet it's like, well, that's our last resort. Why do we think we can handle it? Why do we think we can handle it? Or, or we go to our friends and start that thing. Or then we put our business out on social media for other people, right? Or we completely run away from God. We run away from the church during storms because instead of drawing near to him, he'll draw near to you. Did you, you know that's a verse, right? Draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. And you know that God uses people to help people? Did you know that? The devil uses them to make, to make your life harder. But God uses people to help people, and that's why we need each other. To, to, another reason not to forsake the assembly of ourselves together, like Brother Gary was talking about this morning. Another reason is to help each other, to hold up each other, to pray, to protect, to encourage, to minister to. We need one another. So after the disciples have exhausted themselves, and they realize they have no way to escape, they finally go to Jesus. And where they find him is amazing. Verse 38. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. Now, first of all, that's awesome. All right? Jesus took naps. You want to be like Jesus? Take a nap. Like WWJD, take naps. All right? That's, that's what Jesus did, and we should be more like Jesus. I took one today, and I feel close to him already. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? Another way to say that is this. Don't you care that we're drowning? So there's two things I want to see about this verse. Number one, they call him teacher, right? Which means master or, or instructor. And it is a sign of respect. It is a sign of respect. However, they didn't call him Lord. You notice that? They said teacher. It, it's a sign of respect, but they didn't call him Lord. And we're going to find out in verse 41 that... This explains that, you know, they, they didn't quite all believe that of, in his deity just yet. But this is going to help them realize it. And the second thing I want you to see about this verse is this. Because Jesus wasn't doing what they thought he should be doing, they just assumed he didn't care. I'm going to let that one sink in. Because Jesus wasn't doing what they thought he should be doing, they just assumed he didn't care. He wasn't doing what they thought he should do. We get that way all the time. All the time. God doesn't answer our prayers the way we want or how we think he should or in our time frame. And, and we do exactly what these guys do. God, do you just not care? God, I'm drowning down here. Don't you see? Help me! I thought you were a shepherd. I thought you were a good, good father. Well, this doesn't feel good. And we've all gone through that. However, our feelings do not change the truth of God's word. And our circumstances do not dictate the goodness of God. When God, got, God gave me that during studying time, it, I had to stop. Because I was like, all right. <laughs> our feelings do not change the truth of God's word, and our circumstances do not dictate the goodness of God. 
You know why the Bible time after time talks about the importance of God's word and to protect your minds and your hearts? Because when the storms come, and they will come, storms are going to come. You're either in one, you're just coming out of one, on your, or you're on your way into one. When it occurs, we have to fight our feelings with the truth of God's word. We have to fight against how we feel with what we know to be true. We have to fight against how we feel with what we know to be true. In Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis put it this way. That is why daily praying and religious reading and church going are necessary parts of the Christian life. We have to be continually reminded of what we believe. Neither this belief nor any other will automatically re remain alive in the mind. It must be fed. So I'm going to give you some scripture. We're not going to have time to go to each one, so jot it down. But here are some scriptures for you to be thinking about when those storms come. Number one, Isaiah 55, verses 8 through 9. Isaiah 55, 8 through 9 says this. My, <laughs> for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Amen. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as high as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. That should bring you some comfort, man. That should bring you a lot of comfort. That his ways aren't our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. Because his perspective is way better than ours. Because all we can see is what's in front of us. But it's like I've explained to the students a million times. To God, he, everything is in the present. Right? There is no past, present, future. Everything is in the present with God. So like when you look in your, in your social studies book, because they still have social studies, whatever. And they have timelines, right? They have the beginning, the middle, the end. God can look down and see all of time at one time. He has the perspective. So trust in the one who can see the perspective better than you. Another verse is Deuteronomy 31.8. Deuteronomy 31.8 says, The Lord himself goes before you and it will be, and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. He's with you. 1 Chronicles 16.34. 1 Chronicles 16.34 Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Need mercy? He's got plenty of it because it lasts forever. Psalm 145.9. Psalm 145.9. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. We are his workmanship. We are his creation, and his mercy is all over us. Psalm 34.8. Psalm 34, 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Or woman. Don't, don't get offended. Psalm 107, 1. Psalm 107, 1. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Don't you feel like you don't feel loved? Guess what? Someone loves you with so much love that it's an eternal love. He loves you so much that in Romans 5, 8, it says, For God demonstrated, he showed us his love in this way, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, which means he is for you, he loves you, and he loves you to death. And if someone dies for you, they're for you. Come on now. And one of the greatest verses in all scripture, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. I love this verse, 2 Corinthians 5.21. For our sake, <laughs> for our sake, he, God, 
made him Jesus to be sin who knew no sin that in him in Jesus we might become the righteousness of God. You have the bad day. Read that verse. You need something to be thankful for. Read that verse. So when your circumstances seem like a storm that just pours water into your boat, you keep reminding yourself and you keep reminding your feelings that God's word is always true. God is always faithful and he is there with you in the boat. So maybe you just need to follow his lead and take a nap. Verse 39. Verse 39, and he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Now the word rebuke there was he commanded. He commanded the sea to stop. And when it says peace, that word peace, when you look at the Greek word, it means quiet. Some of y'all teachers know what I'm talking about, right? Your parent, your mamas know. Every mom in here has done that at some point. Hush! And the Greek word, it has this connotation of an involuntary or inability to. Meaning this. His, he had so much power. So much power over creation. That him just saying, silent, quiet, hush. The storm didn't have a choice. He didn't have the choice to start calming down. He didn't have the choice to say, no, thank you, I'm going to keep roaring. He had to stop like hitting a brick wall, and it was calm. Be still. Reduce to silence. Become speechless. He took all the power of the storm away instantly, and it said the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Some of us haven't felt a great calm in a long time. Some of us haven't felt a great calm. And you know what? Some days are better than others. But just like the storm came through this afternoon, a Florida summer storm comes through out of nowhere and makes a mess. And it's not because we haven't gone to God already. It's not because we don't have faith in him to, to calm the storm. But some storms are just bigger than others. And it takes more faith to trust in him in the middle of the storm than if it were to pass. So even though we ask him to have the storm pass or to stop the storm, he's not done. How do muscles grow? Chance, don't answer. How do muscles grow? There's two things you need for muscles to grow. Exercise. What's another word for exercise? Resistance training. Right? Resistance training. What's the, what else? What else do you need? Chance. What else do you need? Okay. Nutrition. Thank you. I knew he, I knew he was going to have the answer. I knew it. Your muscles actually grow when you're working out. That your muscles actually get tears. Correct. And then they, Through the resistance training. And then they... And then they Men back up and build up bigger. Exactly. Bigger. Which is the resistance training. Mm -hmm. So if that's how muscles grow, our faith grows that way too. But they have to be torn. Yes, sir. They have to be torn. 
Yes, sir. Our faith grows the same way. We have to have nutrition. Romans 10, 17 says, so that faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of God. We have to be fed the word. That's the nutrition. And then you have the resistance training. We just read about that in Romans chapter 5, right? In Romans 5, we were just reading about what that looks like. That we have suffering and that suffering it produces endurance and that endurance is character and character hope. Our faith, our spiritual muscles grow the same way as our physical ones. We have to go through those things the same way. Verse 40 and 41 says this, and he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? So, so far in Mark, just in the book of Mark, Jesus has already cast out demons. He's out taught the Pharisees in the synagogues. He's healed people from various diseases like leprosy and a paralyzed guy and someone with a withered hand. He's called all the apostles and he's taught parables about the kingdom of God. So the disciples have seen some stuff already. And just remember, Jesus just woke up. And I imagine, I don't know about you guys, do y'all like to be woken up suddenly? Like, is that like a really fun thing? Like, listen, if, if I'm taking a nap, and I'm talking about a good nap, like if I'm deep in a nap, right, snoring, got the drool going on, and then even if someone nicely comes up and just goes, you know, just a little shake, hey, hey, do you want to get up? They're going to get the death stare, all right? They're, like, they're going to they're gonna think I'm mad at them. I'm not. I, I can't control my face, all right? That's just how I woke up. But now imagine Jesus taking a nap, and they're like, don't you care about us? You, you think that he enjoyed being awoken that way? He was a human too, right? So imagine he's not super happy with what they just did. And he says, why are you afraid? Why do you have no faith? Now remember, back to 35. It was his idea to go on the boat. And I think that's what Jesus is saying. Guys, this is my idea. Why are you so afraid? Where is your faith? I told you to do this. So when God calls you to do something, we can trust that he will see us through it and the consequences are up to him. If God calls you to do something, we trust that he sees you through it and the consequences are up to him. Uh, 2 Timothy 1.7 says this, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And this word fear here in 2 Timothy is a military term that means cowardice. It's talking about being a coward. You just freeze up and can't move. It's not fear. Who in here has seen Saving Private Ryan? Saving Private Ryan, great movie, all right? Uh, but it's, it's set in World War II. They're fighting the Nazis, right? They're, they're going on this thing to, to find this, this, this guy. And they take this, this um, soldier with it. He's not really a soldier. He's, he's, he, he knows how to interpret German. And he can interpret. He's a, a linguist. So he can interpret. That's all. That was his job, was to be an interpreter. He wasn't a fighter. He didn't shoot a gun ever. So they bring him along with them, and they, they capture these Nazis, and, and they don't really have anything to do with them. And the rest of the American soldiers are like, well, let's just kill him. But he's like, no, we can't do that. So they let, they let this guy go. They, they let him run off. Fast forward to the end of, of the movie, and they're in this, this shootout with these Nazis trying to protect themselves. 
And this guy, he's the same uh, uh, linguist, the same guy who let this other Nazi go. The Nazi was up in, in a, in a um, uh, tower just killing all of his buddies, just sniping them all. And so they finally start. And so he's running down the stairs and the American soldier sitting right there, the, the linguist, the scaredy cat. And he sees him. He's got a gun, but the Nazi does it. And he could have blown him away. But what does he do? He freezes in fear. And he curls up, and the Nazi just runs out, and he's just weeping as a coward. That's what this word means. And the devil wants you to be afraid. The devil wants you to live with anxiety and be filled with this kind of fear because fear paralyzes and faith produces action. The devil wants us to live in that fear. So when the storms come, he wants us to, to be paralyzed in our fear instead of having the faith to get through and to get more mature in the Lord so that we can share the good news of the gospel so that people can see our life and see that something happened, that, that he was able or she was able to go through that storm and come out the other side and be closer to God. Not cursing God, but loving God more. You put your faith in, your trust in the one who called you and directed you to get in the boat. And if you trust and obey, he'll take care of the rest. Paul Washer said this, I don't need to know what God is doing if I know who God is. Let that sink in. <laughs> I don't need to know what God is doing if I know who God is. And then in verse 40, 41, when it says that they were filled with great fear, this is the different fear than what they had at the beginning. That fear was the fear of, of losing their life. This fear is the same fear that we refer to as the, the, uh, the beginning of wisdom is fear of the Lord. It's a terrified reverence. They were in awe. They were in reverential awe. Who is this? See, their faith was growing, and they were understanding that this was truly the promised Messiah. The Son of God. They had to go through this and see this happen for them to start to understand his deity. They're starting to see him in a new light, and it's becoming real to them. They had to go through it to see Jesus as their sovereign Savior in order for their faith and trust to grow. Because, quite frankly, we can hear other people's stories all day long, we can read books about people's testimonies. But until we encounter Jesus ourselves, those are just really good stories. And many times, many times, because of our ego, because of our pride, because of all the distractions, we have to be broken in order to experience a different understanding of the goodness of God and grow in our faith in him. So the point of the takeaway of tonight is this. Be like Jesus and take naps. I'm just kidding. That's not really it. That was a joke. The point is this. When the storms come, we trust and rest in our sovereign Savior. When the storms come, we trust and we rest in our sovereign Savior. The storms are going to come. Like I said, you're either going through one or... You're about to come in, go into one, or you're just coming out of one. But we have to remember this, is that 
Going to God should be the first thing we do, not the last thing. And whenever I, you know, we were going through our, you know, we're still going through it, but when, when everything first started, people would say, you know, is there anything I can do? And I'd say, you know what? The best thing you can do is pray. And they'll say, you know, well, I, or they'll say this, well, I'll, I, at least I'll pray for you. And I'd say, listen, that's the greatest thing you can do. That's the greatest thing. You're going on my behalf to the creator of the universe. Thank you. <laughs> that's the greatest thing you can do. So remember that when you're praying for others, when you're praying for yourself. When you're going through something going on, first of all, go to God. He's the creator of all things. He's over all things. And you know what? We're here for you. We're a family. We talked about this morning. We're a family of God. We're a bride. We're the bride of, of Christ. We're the church. We're here to help each one another through the storm. Let's pray. God, I just thank you so much for your goodness and your grace. I thank you that we can trust in you. God, that even though some you know, things happen and storms happen in our lives that um, can really mess with our feelings and really mess with our thoughts, God, help us to always remember the truth of your word. Help us to, to really dive into your scripture more when those things are going on so that we can fight against our feelings and fight against um, the culture's answers to life, but we know where to find our truth because the truth is in the scripture. And God, I just pray that um, as everyone in here, that as, as they go through the storms of life, God, that they will... Number one, count it a joy that they get to endure what they're going through in order to become a mature follower of Jesus Christ. And that we get to go through these things to develop uh, hopeful endurance and hopeful faith and develop character that is tried and true. God, so that we can be found faithful in our walk with you. And that we can be an example to those around us. Lord, help us just to trust in you. We love you. We thank you for loving us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.